Hello and welcome to the Anishinaabe History Podcast. I'm Chris Wheat. About a year ago, I was using my Dictionary of the Ojibwe Language, written by Frederick Baraga in the 1850s, and I came across a word that surprised me. In Ojibwe, the word is nibewabo, which basically means water milk. What surprised me is that nibewabo is the Ojibwe word for opium. If you have a copy of the dictionary, you can verify what I'm saying for yourself. Baraga was a priest who lived amongst the Ojibwe. He died in 1868. What I wonder is, why would the Ojibwe in northern Minnesota have a word for opium? Morphine is an alkaloid found in poppy seed pods. Heroin is derived from morphine. There are many species of poppy flower. According to opium.com, the use of opium goes back to the Stone Age. The poppy flower, Papaver somniferium, was domesticated in Western and Central Europe perhaps as far back as 8,000 years ago. Opium was used as a pain reliever in ancient Sumeria, Egypt, India, and Rome. China also has a long history of opium use. In North America, the use of opium as a pain reliever increased due to the American Civil War, but the opium usage in America goes back several decades before the Civil War broke out. The opium wars between Britain and China began in the early 1800s. British merchants brought in opium to China from India. The Emperor of China wanted the British to stop importing opium, but the trade continued through smuggling. Tensions rose between Britain and China to the point that they sent ships into battle against each other. After the wars in the mid-1800s, the global opium trade continued to grow. So how did opium get to North America? Well, have you ever heard of Jacob Astor of New York City? Jacob Astor was a fur trader. He was born in Germany and moved to America when he was 18. This was in the first decades of the 1800s. China was still very much closed off to the rest of the world. America had recently gained its independence from Britain, but Britain was still a global empire. America and Britain competed against each other for trade in Asia. Tea from India made its way to America. North American furs made their way to Europe and China. But that's all China wanted from the rest of the world. China had a lot to sell in terms of products, but as a country, it didn't import very much at all. That's why British and American merchants started smuggling opium into China from India. Opium was a product that was illicitly used in China at the time, despite the emperor's policies against it. Jacob Astor was involved in the North American fur trade and also got involved in the global opium trade. In 1816, Jacob Astor purchased 10 tons of Turkish opium. 10 tons! He shipped the opium to China, which he exchanged for Chinese products, which he then sold in America. 
That's how Jacob Astor became a millionaire in the early 1800s. He was a drug dealer. It is thought that he sold hundreds of thousands of pounds of opium between 1816 and 1825. Jacob Astor also brought opium to New York City. He sold it openly and even had ads for it in the newspapers. Throughout the 1800s, opium was used in all sorts of medications in America, leading to an opium epidemic. In 1859, an American publication called Harper's Magazine talked about glassy-eyed opera audiences and stupefied babies who were given prescriptions of opium by doctors. Jacob Astor died in 1848. That's about a year before gold was discovered in California and about 20 years after the American government instituted the Indian Removal Act that started the Trail of Tears. There were also other famous Americans involved in the global opium trade in the 1800s who became wealthy. For example, the father of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Warren Delano, also made millions of dollars smuggling opium and calling it fair trade. The opium wars are still ongoing. It's been going on globally for about 200 years, and nowadays there are more powerful analogs and derivatives of opioids. Fentanyl, and especially carfentanyl, are examples. Fentanyl is stronger than morphine or heroin, and carfentanyl is thousands of times stronger than that. That's because it's made for tranquilizing large animals like elephants. There are opioid receptors in our human brains that accept these molecules. An overdose occurs when the muscles that make our body work slow down breathing to dangerous levels or otherwise cause muscles to become so rigid that breathing stops. That's when naloxone is needed. Naloxone knocks the opioid molecules out of the receptors and then fills up the receptor itself. In this way, the effects of the opioid are reversed. Then, regular breathing can continue. If you're going to use opioids, don't use them alone. Carry naloxone with you. And carry enough naloxone so that if a room full of friends all overdose suddenly, you don't have to choose who to save and who to let die. It does happen. Be safe. That's all for today's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the future. I'm Chris Waite, and this has been the Anishinaabe History Podcast.